You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about elvis costello imperial bedroom in the room i have rob well hey hi howdy ben hey happy to be here john hey and on the line i have kyle hello there imperial bedroom is a sixth album by elvis costello and the attractions released on the 2nd of july 1982 on the fb label in the uk columbia in the u.s the producer was jeff emmerich and the genre is new wave baroque pop and post-punk i'll be reading from the book ross fortune Six albums in five years, and still the driven and prolific Elvis Costello had barely put a foot wrong. What next? Well, he enlisted producer Jeff Emmerich, the inspired engineer on the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper, and together they set work on what would gradually reveal itself to be a darkly seductive collection of lush and heady pop. That is, if anything so shot through with melancholy, guilt, and despair can ever be described as pop. The attractions, meanwhile, proved once again that genius does not always need to be a frontman. Go Mad write a really eccentric arrangement where the instructions Costello gave Steve Naive for In Every Home, and boy did he oblige. But was Imperial Bedroom Costello's masterpiece? As trumpeted by the U.S. ad campaign, some critics balked at what they perceived to be an overproduced melodrama, and sales were disappointing. More than two decades on, the music continues to sparkle, and the words still twist like a knife. No masterpiece does not seem too strong a word. Imperial Bedroom remains a boldly compelling and strangely beautiful album, a heart in a jar, a clenched fist, and a velvet glove. All right, what do we think of Elvis Costello and the attractions? Imperial Bedroom. Different than what I would have thought was going yeah. I, I tell you what, I was, I like Elvis Costello, but I was not really excited to be covering yet another Elvis Costello record. We've already covered three, and we've covered my favorite ones. Yep. So I was going into this like, uh, here's, here, here's homework. I was really surprised. I like this album a lot. On first listen, uh, the, the sound of it was different enough from what I was expecting that it did not feel like just a fourth helping of Elvis Costello. Yeah, I agree with that. This is one of those albums that I have a lot on vinyl. Uh, I don't have this one, and it just, he he produced so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like six albums in five years, and you just, you kind of lose track. He's one of those artists that is so prolific that you, you kind of pick and choose which ones are your favorite, mm-hmm. and then the other ones just kind of fall off, and this one, for some, whatever reason... Maybe it's because it doesn't have a, a real strong single or something like that uh, that gets played on the radio. It just kind of fell off for me. So yeah. I always go to next uh, this year's model 
That's my go-to. And like Armed Forces, Get Happy. Like there's so many other albums that I kind of go to and I don't know why because this one's really good. And it it proves to me that Elvis Costello, I always knew he he grew and changed as an artist, but this is still in his, uh, what would you say, prolific period, his sort of inspiring period. But it, uh, it it kind of brings in this almost Beatlesque uh, elements, yeah. very mm. much. Especially like in in the production of and in every yeah. home where there's a forty piece orchestra in the studio with him. I was very Sarge and Pepper's vibes, and I, I knew that Jeff Emmerich had worked with Beatles before. I didn't know specifically which album. So when you said Sarge and Pepper, I was like, oh. Okay, yeah. Lines right up. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> he was specifically working with a Beatle, like, simultaneous, like, with the recording of this. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, in every home, uh, I I first noticed, did Paul McCartney sneak into the studio? That, like, sticks out like a sore thrum, like, from the rest of the record up to that mm-hmm. point. But yeah. uh, It's the most Baroque, for sure. But this record, like, I was the same way as you, Ben. I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, I like his other records. They're great. But uh, you can tell from track one that something different's going on. Uh, it's got that compelling, like propulsive drumming and, uh, and his, his, his vocal style is a lot different. He's branching out. Um, he's trying new stuff. He's, he's pushing his voice to the limit on some songs. Um, and some songs I just kept coming back to like shabby doll, like, and boy with a problem. Some of these songs are just very raw, very raw. It, it feels like there's a theme too. Like, like uh, go, lyrically going through the whole thing what i thought i had read this and after i listened to it i read this and couldn't totally see this so him and the band are experimenting with a lot of different sounds in the studio like they record a song and they're like okay let's record it again in a different style like different tempo different feel and so on uh like man out of time uh it comes in and there's like this fast aggressive attractions intro and outro of that song and then the middle of it is more like mid-tempo it's almost got the same like tempo and cadence of like like a rolling stone or Mm -hmm. something like that just like laid back but that's actually two takes they they, he had this really good aggressive take with the attractions he had this really good more laid back more nuanced take also with the attractions and they they spliced the more mid-tempo one into the middle of the intro and the outro from the other take. Hmm. So there's like, it's really like they're, they're, they're trying out different stuff and the attractions are a good enough band that they can keep up with them. And like everyone in that band's great. Steve naive is awesome. He plays really cool organ parts. He also plays cool piano parts. There's a psychedelic harpsichord solo that he plays on you little fool. And then I, I can't speak highly enough of Pete Thomas, the drummer, He's mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts of that band. Yeah. Uh, no, th- this is this is some quality, was, quality output. I was actually kind of surprised to see only four names on the uh, on the track listings for who is performing everything. I thought it was kind of incredible with something this produced. You know, people said that it was overproduced, right? Mm-hmm. But we're only looking at him and the attractions. There's four people. It, yeah. It's cool. These same dudes that he hired like two years ago to sound punk on on you know this year's model, like is now sounding like this. Like they like what good hires? Yeah. Like these these dudes can grow and mature with him. You know. 
I appreciate the the development and the changes that he's doing, and and you know you can't really fault someone for experimentation. It's just not necessarily this album wasn't what I was wanting, um, and that's just a personal taste. Um, I, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not bad. Like Kyle said, the the vocalizations that Elvis is doing uh, on this, you know, sort of matching his voice to the beat of the song and kind of dropping and changing notes a lot of times, which is a, a bit of a gimmick, but it's really interesting when he does it. Um, I liked. But when you have that taste of, oh, Man Out of Time could have been this way, I think I might have wanted to hear it the, the original way. But that's just me. Maybe it'll re- be released in 40-year edition or something like that. <laughs> it's about yeah. time, yeah. Next, next year. Next, next year, year, maybe. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I like... Uh, I would say this album is long-winded. Hmm. It is long. I, I think that... What, 15 songs. 15 tracks. Yeah, that's a lot of is, tracks. Is, is, a, is a bit much for the more down-tempo Elvis Costello that, that we're getting here. Um, I liked uh, a decent number of the songs, but... Uh, what do we got in our ears right now? The Long Honeymoon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did you get... Like, it, it, it's just... It, it's, it's hearkening to Steely Dan... Hmm. A little bit harder than like the kind of obviously on the uh, on the solo, uh, it just sounds like Asia mm-hmm. or sorry, Asia. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it never ended up grabbing me. And then I I started looking in the book for other like Elvis Costello was producing Squeeze right now. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and we don't get any fucking squeeze in this yeah. fucking book. And like. If I'm looking for, like, an English dude being downtrodden writing pop songs, I want to hear some fucking squeeze. So then I just got down on the whole, like, concept of this longer Elvis Costello record of one of seven that we're doing mm. being in the book. It it, it it bummed me out on that end. But, like, fucking Beyond Belief is a wonderful song. And, mm. like, the fucking, like, little, like, baritone notes he's hitting, like, singing it, like... Clearly, like Jarvis Cocker, yeah, heard heard, heard this album was like, oh, oh my god, hey, Kyle, you're gonna say something. You're- yeah, I'm really gra- glad you said that, Rob, because uh, when you were talking about not getting into this record, and you know, it's it's melancholy and it's full of despair. I was wondering if you know somebody would have dropped this album in your lap when you were blasting this is hardcore by Pulp if you would have got into it. Cause yeah, it's- probably. <laughs> yeah, but for this project, like it, it's it's just making me see things that have been looked over and scooted to the side for the for, for seeing an artist's entire arc you know sorry to jump off this and just go to the book like the book is just like schizophrenic in the idea of like whether or not we should know what happened first or well maybe the second album is better than the first album and some artists get the whole fucking like spiel yeah. Um, yeah. and and you know Elvis Costello is an artist and I appreciate that but, like, for all the other stuff that's going on right now, like, to have this version of Elvis Costello, as opposed to, like, cutting out the fucking first record, put this one in, fine, whatever. Sure. We can have as much Elvis Costello as we want, but, I mean, god damn it, I, I, I just want to talk about Squeeze yeah. <laughs> at some <laughs> you, point with my friends. <laughs> you, you, you keep on bringing up Squeeze, so I've been waiting to ask you, I was, do you get Squeeze vibes from track two, Tears Before Bedtime? Oh, yeah! Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah! Well, that was when, like, when I heard Tears Before Bedtime... Are there guys from Squeeze on this track, or did he work with Squeeze at this time? And oh yes, he's working with Squeeze well, at this time. And there okay. are guys from Squeeze who wrote lyrics for songs on this album. Okay. So Chris Difford wrote some of the lyrics of "Boy with a yep. Problem." Yep. Yep. So this is where we came to hide when it ran from you. 
in a private detective overcome Dead in dead man's shoes The pretty things of night's bridge Lying for a minister of state yeah, it's 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 dumb for me to like bitch about that that I didn't write the right I didn't write the the book and we're going through it one by one I should judge through this album on its merits but the merits I will judge it honor this there are fifteen songs in those fifteen songs I have one two three four five of them starred mm. wow. um, which is not wow. a very not, good wow. yeah that's an that's, F score um, fifty minutes forty eight seconds. Yet it's only a single disc. Isn't that like I don't understand six minutes how that's more possible. than you can really fit on? That's what I thought too. Yeah, without like too, yeah. losing some fidelity. Long play uh, on uh, one uh, side. Uh, really long player. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense why it's this just is extra wide. We've never seen a copy. It might be yeah, it's a thirteen inch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, uh, would you would you consider this a concept album? I don't know. I think it has thematic underpinnings that are consistent but i don't know if i'm sure if you asked elvis costello if this is a concept record he would say no i'm sure he would too but a lot of these songs seem to be telling different parts of a same story and some of these songs you wouldn't need to stretch your imagination very much to say some of these songs are about the same couple the same characters like it's it's a it's like a Love story gone wrong, you know, and 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 the the the, the male figure of it, like the, the protagonist that is singing these songs, obviously is involved with some kind of scandal, uh, is losing his relationship because of it, and like it, especially in Man at a Time, it's really laid out, kind of like yeah, this is this is because Man at a Time, it, it's like telling a story, and you know Elvis Costello said that there are certain aspects of the song that are about they're kind of autobiographical like about him and his ambition and the opportunity cost of his ambition and he said but also like at the time you know there's a sex scandal going on in parliament and that's like topical in the news so he kind of took his little autobiographical story and wrapped it in this this story of a uh of uh, like a politician that used to be on top now like he's being hounded by the press and he's in a scandal and his family's leaving and just seems like so that's right about in the middle of the album we're listening to it right now and it just seems like a lot of the album if you think about it could kind of be addressing that situation you know i think so and i think it harkens back to a lot of those bruce springsteen albums that they're not they're not a concept album, but they are. Right. They have the the thematical elements that he consistently goes back to, and being a an artist that that uses those tropes, it, it always is perceived as just like this year's model. It, you know, it's or Imperial Better or uh, Imperial Bedroom uh, Armed, Armed Forces. Forces. Everything does seem to relate because he has themes that that go. Um, that link to each other. And I think when you have uh, lyrics like that, Tom Waits is another one where when you listen to an album, you're like, Oh, all of this is this, you know, the related, right. But then you kind of dive a little bit deeper and you're like, actually, you know, these are separate songs, but they all, they all feel like they flow together. Yeah. 
But yeah, they, and I think that's probably just he wrote a bunch of these songs, you know, pretty yeah. close to each other, and he was just doing some, perhaps some introspection, you know, and mm-hmm. he was just maybe intrigued by these by these themes of you know infidelity and guilt and well, detectives, you know. Um, <laughs> he does like detectives throughout yeah. his career. <laughs> it's interesting. He, you know, he kind of did a. Uh, before this, we got what was it? Almost Blue, which was a Nashville sort of country covers, and before that was Trust, and before that was uh, you know he kind of did like R and B style. So he was experimenting with all these different elements, and I feel like this the reason this album is here is because it does seem to be a little bit of bringing it back, the same way that. Uh, you know, Bob Dylan kind of had his... I'm bringing it all back home. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily that one, but uh, it's not Nashville Skyland. Um, Blood on the Tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like he had this period of doing all the, you know, trying the different things. Hey, let's do a country album. Let's do R&B. Let's do um, these different styles. Now this comes, this is related to the previous material, but in a, you know, in a different fashion. Yeah. This song's good. What's interesting, though, so uh, stylistically, he might be bringing it back home, but his creative process is different at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. The The albums that we had covered, uh, you know, My Aim is True, this year's model, Armed Forces, he's primarily writing on guitar. At this point of career, for this album, he's writing it on the piano. A different feel is coming out of it. Just kind of like when, when Bruce Springsteen writes a song on piano, it feels different. Yeah. Than a song that he writes on guitar, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Uh, I didn't think it was interesting. When he was working with uh, Jeff Emmerich, he he told the band to don't don't fall into the trap of asking Jeff Emmerich about the Beatles and going over what the Beatles had done in their albums. He said that's a trap that when people work with Jeff Emmerich, they'll fall into where they'll waste time and they'll they won't have their own concept because they will be considering these different things that had, had already happened. Right. So he's, so he said, forget that later on, you know, when Jeff Emmerich would, he would, he would, you know, use different uh, techniques. He would say, Oh yeah, I did use this on, you know, he would, he would tell them that, the, this was a trick that we did with the Beatles. Oh, ca- calling but it a 40 piece orchestra. That's a trick. I did with the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't, it, it wasn't something up front that uh, Costello wanted to separate himself and not just rely on, on something that had right. previously been done. But he, man, if you're going for a Baroque pop, no better get, getting producer. Jeff Emmerich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't think Nick Lowe could handle it. <laughs> he thought that Nick Lowe would, would get worn out by what he was asking. <laughs> and I, I think he's absolutely correct yeah. in that assessment. Yeah. You know what I didn't know? That Brett Easton Ellis wrote a sequel to Less Than Zero. Oh. And then named what? it uh, Imperial Bedrooms. I learned that today as well. Yeah, yeah. I was not aware oh, of that. I yeah. didn't know that. Uh, the track Almost Blue is cool. Yeah. So, so close to the Chet Baker. Yeah. Like Always Blue or like the jazz standards, you know. <laughs> Wait, didn't I, Chet Baker I, I, cover Almost Blue? Well, he did My Funny Valentine on Ten Bloody Marys. Um I don't know if Chet Baker ever did this song though, because it's so it's so close to. Um, 
I mean, it's so close. It, it literally is. Uh, Diane Krall covered it. That's right. No, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. The song was covered by several performances, notably Chet Baker in 1987. Gwen ah. Stefani also. Ah. Nice. Well, uh, wasn't Diane Krall married to Elvis Costello at one yes. point in time? Okay. Yeah, I got this time, I think. Ah, okay. Yeah. I could be wrong. I think Denver. But she, she's definitely married to him at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like side one better than side two. I also agree with Rob. I think this album's a little bit long. I think it could have been trimmed down a little bit. I think a tight 45 would have been plenty. I agree with that, yeah. Side one has a lot of my favorite songs on the album on it. Side two is very horny. Yes, it is. <laughs> like, a horny song after a horny song after horny. Like, I was pulling up, like, uh, there's, I don't get into lyrics very often. I, I'm more of a music guy, but certain artists like Bob Dylan or Elvis Costello or, like, Leonard Cohen, like, when I'm doing my homework, I, I'm like, okay, this is someone that I definitely want to pay attention to what they're saying. <laughs> I was getting into like human hands and kid about it and little savage. I was like, this guy's very horny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I know this is a long record. Um, I mean, amount of songs wise, but I think it, it finishes really strong. Um, especially the last two tracks, uh, you little fool, which I think was a single. It was the first single, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think Town Crier is a great closer. Yeah, I love the strings um, on Town Crier. Yeah. Yeah, I came back to that song quite a few times, um, and I think it's a phenomenal uh, ending to the record. Yeah, it's interesting how long it is. It just... It's like impossibly long for the format. I think Yeah, so but too. most of the songs are like two and a half minutes long. Yeah, but some of them are... About like half. Man Out of Time is five and a half. Yeah. Town Crier is four... 16, I mean, it does seem like it. there's no way this should fit on a record. You notice that multiple songs in this album end with a refrain of P.S. I Love You? It's how The Loved Ones ends, and it's how Pigeon English ends. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Like a repeated refrain. I know that Town Crier is where the band Tragically Hip gets their name. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so, yeah. Throwback to our favorite Canadian band of all time, <laughs> Tragically Hip. Treat just blip blip. On Human Hands, did you guys get uh, some meatloaf vibes? Do I have to draw you a diagram? As in, <laughs> took the words right out of your mouth. <laughs> I, I hadn't, but now that you mention it. I mean, there's big production in this yeah. this album, so it's bound to happen. Who's the guy that wrote all the songs for Meatloaf? That's the Jim Steinman? Oh, yeah. I think that's right. R.I.P. Yeah. Jim yeah. Steinman just yeah. died recently. Yeah, yeah he did. But yeah, I don't think he had any actual influence on this but yeah when you, when you got when you got good vibes and bombast you're gonna feel meatloaf yeah <laughs> and horniness yeah horniness, and horniness bombast and good vibes equals meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the formula for meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> giant sunglasses <laughs> ruffled shirt yeah <laughs> a naked dude on a motorcycle 
but that's a that's a huge compliment to Elvis Costello to be like, oh, I hear meatloaf in this. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder Elvis Costello's opinion of that comment. He better take it in the effort that it was given. Uh, you guys notice how like throwback psychedelic you little fool was? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, love that song. Yeah, yeah, it's like very heavy, like nineteen sixty seven vibes. It's strange that, I, and I was wondering because we recently did uh, the jam sound effects, mm-hmm. uh, and it was. And we're doing what more and more of this sort of second waves yeah, British we, site. We've mm-hmm. had a few, like, like yeah. uh, Soft Boys. Yeah, yeah, and there's some, some others as well. And I, I was wondering if that went into. I mean, Elvis Costello is very smart, and I'm sure he's listening to more modern music. And I, I just wondered if that ha- played a factor into this sort of almost. It's been a little bit long enough that they can now go back to the Beatles, like the punk. Mm-hmm. Had mm-hmm. had come, and now maybe it's long enough that they can say, "Okay, actually, the Beatles had some good ideas, and let's explore that a little bit more and add our like new wave influences into the the Beatles element." I think we we brought this up when we were talking about uh, uh, the jam sound effects. Like these are the kids that were like thirteen, right? You know, like being in, very influenced by that first wave of psychedelia but not necessarily old enough to do anything about it right and now it's like fond nostalgia yeah you know yeah i think so man what the fuck was i listening to at 13 nirvana weezer white snake <laughs> yeah <laughs> the toadies i've never attempted to write a song like any of those people beanie man so i don't i don't quite get sound garden <laughs> uh oh El- allison chains course <laughs> these are all bands from the 90s <laughs> uh, what, do we, what do we think of this one though primus this album yeah positive for me I, I was very pleasantly surprised it is a little bit on the long side i think that the quality of the material is very high and yeah. i wasn't familiar with it max absolutely going to keep an eye out for it um we have yet another appearance by Album cover design legend Barney Bubbles. I know. I had no idea. Love some Barney. I didn't realize I, I loved Barney Bubbles until I realized how many of my favorite album covers he designed, especially like all that stuff on Stiff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many more Barney, Barney Bubbles albums we're getting because I think he dies in '83. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so this one, the cover of it, it's a it's a pastiche of uh, uh, Picasso's Three Musicians. It's a cool look. Some, some nice nouveau cubism. I mean, take what you will from it, but it looks intentionally sexual to me. <laughs> uh, it's a. It's called, I think, the Snake Charmer and the Reclining Octopus. That's what it's called. Yeah, and so you know, whatever you think is happening on the cover, you think hey, is man, happening on the cover. Aren't sexy. Yeah. So, but it's 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 a real interesting. I mean, it definitely draws the eye. But I'm gonna have to, uh, despite the cover, despite how good the musicianship is, despite the interesting things that Elvis Costello was doing. It just didn't grab me to the point that I was like, I'm gonna pick this up and listen to it again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go neutral, which I don't want to do because I appreciate the quality, but I just, it doesn't drive me. Yeah. What do you think, Kyle? Uh, I like this album a whole lot. I thought it was interesting that the uh, the American media campaign for it just, just kept publishing pictures in magazines saying masterpiece, which is pretty ballsy. Um, and I can see how you know if somebody would come to this record and be like, better be a masterpiece, but from that first song, um, I was hooked. 
I was intrigued, and I, I listened to this album several times. And uh, like I was like I was saying with Rob, uh, if somebody had dropped this album in my lap when I was younger and a little more emotional, um, I probably would have listened to it over and over, you know. And back when you were the town crier, right into my beer. Yeah, yeah I, w- I would have been the town crier. Look at this lyric. I'm never gonna cry again. I'm gonna be as strong as them. That's <laughs> come on, man. That's a tear bait right there. Um, yeah, but I, I like the, I like this record a lot. I like the atmosphere. I like the production. I like that he's pushing himself. You know, um, and he didn't fall flat on his face like we see happen sometimes. Um, so yeah, this this record was a was a fun surprise for me, and I'm gonna go recommend it. Yeah, I'm on the positive as well. I think there's enough here that. It sort of shows uh, Elvis Costello in a... It's like his retro psych Beatles uh, element, and Jeff Emmerich just br- really brings that out in the production. I thought it was recorded. I mean, the the production, the band, you know, everything is spot on, and I like... His lyrics are always, always grab me, and... Yeah, I could see what you guys are saying, though. It does kind of glaze over a bit. I mean, there's nothing to just, like pinpoint to be like this this you know single that just stands out but i think as, as a whole album i think it uh it's pretty striking pretty good you have a favorite song birch i don't know man out of time is is pretty great i keep on coming back to me yeah out of time. yeah that's a great one yeah uh but yeah beyond belief was good too it, t- it this album definitely took me the what do we say the three listens or a couple listens because it it you do kind of lose um, everything is two and a half minutes, a little bit of the same tempo, except for, you know, maybe Almost Blue or some of these more uh, down-tempo songs. But it, it, it's hard to pick out the songs because they kind of blend into each other um, and you, you kind of forget where you are in the album. But I think coming back to it, I'm going to appreciate it more and more as I, as I listen to it. What do you think, Rob? <sighs> Why are you laughing? I just... I, I, I'm, I'm going negative. <laughs> um, if you like Elvis Costello, you're going to be surprised by this record. Yeah. Um, and you might end up liking it. And for me, five out of 15 is not a positive. It's not a neutral. And that, yeah. that, that, that's me actively disliking a record, which. What are your five? Can I ask? Uh, yeah, I got Beyond Belief. I got Tears for a Bedtime. I got Man Out of Time. I got Little Savage and I got Pilgrim English. Bro, you didn't like Shabby Doll? No, I hate that fucking song. Fucking <laughs> Shabby Doll is dope. Just a Shabby Doll. I just don't. <laughs> I don't think so. And uh, uh, Kyle, going, going back to your, like, if someone dropped this in my lap when I was a sensitive boy who was super into pulp, I don't think I would be into this the way that I was into that record because that record is just nonstop fucking, like, punch yeah. you in the face, like, hang my hat on bangers. Yeah. This doesn't have that many. It has a lot of songs. But it doesn't have that many that you can actually hang your hat on. Um, and I, I don't think that all albums have to have a single by any stretch of the imagination. But mm-hmm. just, man, again, and it, it's probably me coming back to this like, what, what about Squeeze? <laughs> yeah, what about Squeeze? <laughs> Get out of here, Elvis. I'm very surprised there's no Squeeze in this Fucking book. Squeeze. I, 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 re- I, just I, thought, I really yeah. thought they were like... Uh, I, we're Americans. I thought Squeeze was UK royalty. Yeah. Y'all dropped yeah, the ball I'll, on Squeeze. I was Come shocked on. and appalled. Yeah. yeah. I am both of those yeah. things. Uh, all right. For next time, we'll be talking about The Cure, pornography. 
Such an unhappy cause.